Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1045 of the Juicebox Podcast. You may be thinking, Scott, your voice sounds magnificent today. It does, doesn't it? Today, I'll be speaking with Sarah. She has a daughter who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when she was eight years old, just five years ago. Sarah's best friend, Megan, also pops up on this interview. Megan is the daughter of a type 1 diabetic, and Megan's dad is 78 years old and was diagnosed when he was 12. I don't know how to describe this conversation, but it's got a Southern flair. So we're going to call it Southern flair. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I'm going to make this in one cut. If you'd like to save 40% off at CozyEarth.com, just use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. You want to drink AG1? Do it at DrinkAG1.com forward slash JUICEBOX. You will get a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs at my link with your first order. Dog barked? I don't care. DiabetesProTip.com. Go check it out. The all-new remastered Diabetes Pro Tip series begins at episode 1000. It's in your audio players. It's on the website. You have to listen. One Take Scott, they call me. Let's try to keep this going, shall we? This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by U.S. Med. U.S. Med is the place where Arden gets her diabetes supplies from, and you can too. I'm talking about pumps, CGMs, so much more. You'll hear. USmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. I'm talking about Libre. I'm talking about Dexcom. I'm talking about Omnipod. I'm talking about Tandem. I'm talking about test strips. I'm talking about insulin. I'm talking about US Med. Hey, uh, my name is Sarah and um, I have a child who is type 1 diabetic. She is 14 and she was diagnosed when she was eight years old, just a little over five years ago. She's 14. She was diagnosed when she was eight, six years ago. Is that right? Or did you just tell me how long? A little over five years. She was almost nine when okay. she was diagnosed. Yeah. About five years. Do you, Sarah, have type 1 diabetes? I do not. No one in my immediate family. But as it turns out, I've got several cousins with type 1. Okay. And one has, uh, and this, the story is that he was in France and he nearly died when he was diagnosed. And I didn't realize really what that meant. I had heard the story and I've just not seen it. He lives in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I wouldn't have an opportunity to see him and ask him about it, but I would love to know how his diagnosis story and how he's doing now. Yeah. My wife was in France recently and brought back French COVID and almost killed all of us. So not the same story, but I hearing the word France made me uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> okay, Sarah. So I'm going to get back to you, but you brought a friend. I did. Her her name is Megan. I'll let her introduce herself, though. Hey, Megan. Hey. Hey, I'm Megan, and I'm one of Sarah's friends, besties, and I am the daughter of a type 1 diabetic. He's currently 78 years old and was diagnosed when he was around 12. Wow. So, your mm-hmm. fa- so you grew up with a father that had type 1? Yes. Does he have any other autoimmune issues? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. How about you? Issues, but no, no. Um, the rest, I have two, well, four siblings, and none of them have, none of us have any celiac, vitiligo, thyroid, nothing. Bad allergies? 
No. Uh, nope. Nope. Sneezing a lot during the summer. Nothing like that. Okay. You paused when you said how many siblings you have. Are some of them like half brothers and sisters? Yeah. Okay. But they're all for my dad. Gotcha. And nobody else that you know of in your extended family has anything like this. No. No. And Sarah, you weren't close with these cousins? Like it sounds uh, like there's a gag. No, along. we didn't grow up together or anything. They're they're mainly distant cousins. I mm-hmm. think my uh my second cousin, the one that was in France, that's probably the closest relation. I see. Um yeah. So Sarah, why don't we start off a little bit and you tell me about how you figured out your daughter had type one? Well, at the beginning of the third grade, if looking back is 2020, right? Uh vision is 2020. I got a phone call from the nurse at the beginning of third grade and said that Reagan had taken a spill at recess and had really quite injured herself. And she wasn't going to be really learning anything for the rest of the day. Would I mind coming and picking her up? And I said, yeah, sure. That's fine. I'll come and get her. And she had scraped like the whole side of her body. Mm. And then after school was over, I got two or three phone calls from other parents saying that their kids had come home in tears because she had taken a spill so hard that it upset them. Oh, I see. Yeah. And so I, looking back, I wonder if that maybe didn't, that was not the trigger. Maybe it that was not a virus that I know about, but I don't know. You know, we, we may never know, but fast forward to, that was probably the beginning of September. This is about mid October. And she'd been making some complaints like bathroom issues, some, maybe some burning when she urinated and, I've never had a UTI personally. And so I kind of was like, you're not really selling it to me. You <laughs> complaining once, you know, I, this went on for two weeks. Like <laughs> she, she would say, uh, you know, I would say, is that still bugging you? And she'd say, well, a little bit this morning, but not since then. And then we went on vacation and there were some incidences that I can tell you, I can look back and say, yeah, that was probably a lower, a high blood sugar. There were some incidences while we were on vacation And then the Monday she was supposed to go back to school, I went to go wake her up and she is strolling out of her bathroom, combing her wet hair and her bed is dismantled and there's a large wet wet spot in the middle of it. And I said, Hey friend, what's going on? And she said, well, I wet the bed and I tried to clean. And this is a kid that never wets the bed. Mm -hmm. And she said, I tried to clean it up myself, but it was proving I, I just couldn't do it, mom. And then I felt yucky because I had pee everywhere. So I decided to take a shower. I said, about what time did this happen? And she said, about 4 a.m. Mm. And this was maybe 6 a.m. Yeah. And I said, you know, this is what momming is all about. So, <laughs> you know, if you have a, a problem like this, please come and get me. I, this is what parents are for. And so I thought, well, she's got a UTI, I guess. And so we went to the doctor's office has a walk, a really great walk-in clinic, and they took a urine sample, and she was more than happy to drink the water I gave her. Mm-hmm. In fact, she filled up her her little paper cup twice and um, got a urine sample from her. She peed on my hand, which she thought was hilarious. And um, we gave the <laughs> – <laughs> take your joys where you can. Yeah. And uh, the, the PA came in the room, and he was like, there's no blood, there's no bacteria in her urine sample, but the sugar is at 93. And I, I it, it was enough for him to mention it. Wait, Sarah, and 93 he, got him? Yeah. Really? Well, in, in her urine, so I don't oh, know. In, oh, okay. Some, is that her? Yes. Yeah? Is she going to come <laughs> in and tell us about this moment? Yeah. Because I, so far, this story only proves to me that children do not know how much mattresses cost. 
I know they don't. And I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to pause. We're having a few tears. Go ahead. Do your thing. I'm, uh, I'm actually going to talk to Megan. You can go ahead and Okay, uh, I'm going to mute. Yourself. Megan, I have a question for you that I, I'm wondering now. So you guys are friends. You've known each other this whole time. Watching her daughter have diabetes, did it? Does it bring up any memories of growing up with a type one, or is it so? Did your dad handle it so differently that this all looks new to you? Have you found that getting your diabetes supplies can be a pain in the butt? I have too, but not any longer because now we're getting Arden's diabetes supplies from U.S. Med. To get a free benefits check, just call 888-721-1514 or go to usmed.com forward slash juice box. U.S. Med has served over 1 million diabetes customers since 1996, and they want you to know that they're offering you better service and better care than you're getting now. U.S. Med always provides 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. They carry everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs like Dexcom G7 and Libre 3. Arden gets her Dexcoms and her Omnipods from U.S. Med. U.S. Med accepts Medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers. U.S. Med is the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre systems, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, number one fastest growing tandem distributor, the number one rated distributor in Dexcom customer service satisfaction surveys, and they are proud of the white glove treatment that they offer their customers. usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. And that 888 number is special just for Juicebox podcast listeners. Now, if you decide to go to the website, it's super simple. Here's what it tells you when you get there. Getting started is easy. From the comfort of your own home or office, you can now join over 1 million satisfied customers who rely on our staff of courteous, knowledgeable, and trained U.S. Med customer care representatives to keep you up to date with your medical and diabetic supplies delivered right to your door. Super simple benefits check. Name, phone number, email, zip code, and then just hit the button that says request a free benefits check. It's that easy. Let U.S. Med take care of your supplies so you don't have to worry. Oh, wow. It's not all new to me at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sarah texted me from the ER or or the doctor when when she had taken Reagan in and said, the blood sugar is 300. Do you remember texting me that, Sarah? Yeah, I do. And And I remember thinking... Oh wow, Reagan could be diabetic. Yeah. So um, I have watched Reagan do some of her uh, whenever she changes her site. I've I've watched her do that. I'm just so proud of her. Like I have so much compassion for her because I know my dad has lived a very long, full life compared with what folks used to be able to live um, with diabetes. So uh, what Reagan's dealing with is not new to me. I just think it's interesting watching a child do it because I didn't get to see that part of my dad. Right. But, but I'm assuming, I mean, I guess I just have to ask you, how old are you, Megan? I'm 44. You're 44. So your dad was in his thirties ish around there. And how many years ago was that? 44 years ago. See when you're 78. Yeah. yeah. So when you were born, 
your dad was shooting insulin twice a day, probably, and just nothing else. I would Maybe imagine he wasn't testing or anything, I would imagine. Um, he He's told me a little bit about the trajectory. He used to have to pee on a stick and wait several minutes, mm-hmm. like growing up. I don't know exactly the timeline of that, but um, ever since I've remembered, he has been testing his blood. So okay. I remember helping him test his blood growing up, but the wait was a minute or two on the machine mm-hmm. when he was doing it when I was growing up. Do, do, you, do you ever remember it impacting his life poorly? Mm-hmm. Y- yeah. H- how? In ways that you saw as a child, I'm wondering about. The uh, middle of the night lows. Um, and we had to call the emergency room, um, the, the ambulance mm-hmm. multiple times. I can envision my mother screaming. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yelling my dad's name and trying to hold him down. One time he got so low, he was um, kind of convulsing. Mm-hmm. I think his blood sugar was like 20 or something. And so, yes, there is uh, several moments and he never went in an ambulance. Anytime we called the ambulance, they would uh, come in, put an IV in and he would be back normal. And not and not want to go to the hospital. And not want to go to the hospital. He's a tough cookie in terms of, and a little stubborn. Yeah. Um, but he did not want to go to the hospital. Was there any talk of, wow, like, I hope the kids don't get it. Did anybody talk like that about it? Did you ever grow up wondering if it would happen to you? Yes, I did wonder. I was dealing with some other conditions, and I remember my parents, you know, thinking that I should probably be tested. And um, I'm just grateful that that didn't fall on any of the rest of us. So, Although I do, I do feel like I know how to deal with it being around others and it's helped me deal with students. I, I'm a, in the teaching profession, so it's helped me be aware when a student tells me they have diabetes, I'm, I'm hyper aware mm-hmm. of what they might need. Yeah. So Sarah, when you realize that your daughter has type one, do you think of Megan right away? Do you think, oh, I know somebody who has experience with this? Oh, absolutely. Um, and just to kind of finish the story, um, the the sugar in her urine was too high. Obviously, the PA brought it up. And he said he was going to order a finger stick. And it came back. The nurse went, huh? And I said, what was it? She said, 310. And I said, huh? And no one has said the D word. But uh, the PA came back in and was like, hey, we think we're going to have to send you on to Children's. And I'm actually, I'm texting my brother-in-law, who's an ER pediatrician, um, immediately. And he's not texting me back because he had a do not disturb on. And so I'm texting my husband, like, hey, you need to call your brother. We've got a situation here. Hmm. And we actually have been going to the JDRF galas for years before her diagnosis. So I knew enough. Why were you doing that? We So uh, some friends of ours, their son is type 1. He was diagnosed a week before he went to kindergarten. And this is maybe... Four, three or four years after his diagnosis. And so they had invited us, they had bought a table and, and, and had invited us several, I think all three years since then we had been going. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting that we also ended up with a kid um, with type one. And she, I, I texted her directly immediately as well. And, uh, you know, and of course, Megan, and I don't know if you remember Megan, but she texted me back and she was like, Sarah, you're going to be a really great diabetes mom. No. Oh. And I did that work out, Sarah, or is it a shit show? <laughs> I look depends on the day, Scott. Yeah. You know, people ask me, How's Reagan? and I'm like, Well, she's 14. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, how is she? And I said, no, really, she's 14. <laughs> you know, I don't remember saying that to Sarah, but Sarah handled uh, the unique challenges that came with my own medical condition so well. Mm-hmm. Like she was a friend like no other friend I had. So I knew that the way that she dealt with me was going to transfer into her being a superstar diabetes, right. diabetic mom. Cool. That's it. It's also so strange that you were at like these fundraisers for years and then it happened. My wife and I went out for our anniversary and uh, we just like, we were in this kind of fancy restaurant and I said, do you want to try sweetbreads? And we didn't even know what they were. And they came in their pancreases. Right. And then Arden gets diabetes like a little while later. And, you know, I was like, well, this is just, see, we got bad, we got bad mojo going now. Cause we took the pancreases from those. <laughs> Here, I'll I'll do you one better. Mm-hmm. So we we had bought a, a black lab over the summer, and Dolly Parton's character in Steel Magnolias was Truvy Jones. Mm-hmm. And so the girls were given three choices. One of them was Truvy, and they chose that two months before Reagan was diagnosed. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's all meaningless, but it's incredibly interesting. I, it is. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, a, yeah. a little God winks is yeah, how I see it, yeah. but um. But yeah, and, and Dolly Parton is from our, our area, so that's why we're kind of a little a little loyal nice. to Dolly Parton. But um Wait, have you been like, to Dollywood? Yeah. <laughs> Megan's like, I go all the time. I can see her just nodding away. Not all the time. <laughs> what is Dollywood? It's a theme park, right? Like with roller coasters and things like yes. that. Yeah. Dolly's got her finger in everything. She's also eight hundred years old and somehow still alive. How does that happen? Is that a uh, you- she and my daughter have the same birthday again? Yeah, so I know, right? And and our pediatrician's youngest son is type one. Our pharmacist, when we go to pick up our first pickup, he turns out he's type one. I mean, like, if it wasn't, it's possible you're the problem, Sarah. Maybe you are the like the <laughs> maybe your patients stars were in alignment. <laughs> maybe you're just like maybe people are going to be dodging you after they hear how many people you know you have type one. I should buy a lottery ticket. Is it is it a um? Did the doctors ever mention it? Like that you're in a spot where a lot of people have it? No, no, no. That's never been a, a thing. Just randomness. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's it's pretty remarkable. The um the nurse when she went back to school three days later mm-hmm. at diagnosis her A one C was only eight point five. So we got extremely lucky. They sent her home with us that night. Oh, really? The day she was diagnosed. Yeah. It so, was wild. I was a nervous Nelly. <laughs> like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but sure, we'll leave. Are you sure no one's going to die? And, yeah. and I was like, I can admit her. And then I got to thinking, like, that sounds scarier. Right. How did she, I mean, she's at such an interesting age. Did she, like, acclimate to it well? Or was it was it troublesome? Or how did the beginning go? She's very, she was very compliant, you know, when she was first diagnosed, and she is now mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, she just wants a lot more independence and she and I are hardwired differently and that's coming out as she's getting older. But when, uh, back when she was first diagnosed, she's very compliant, very willing to, um, she poked her finger for the first time in the doctor's office. The nurses couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, about a month after she was diagnosed, she did her own injection in her belly. Mm-hmm. She seems to want to take ownership and and I'm really grateful for that. What do you think that means? Because I interview a, a lot of people and I I always kind of like I hear their voices in my head 24, 25, 26 years old telling me I pushed my parents for independence but I didn't really know what it meant and ended up not doing a good job 
like taking care of myself. I just didn't want them involved in it. And so like, there's that balance of trying to figure out how to give them what they need as far as space goes without them, you know, just going off the deep end as far as their care. I know Arden's, you know, my daughter, Megan, um, is 18. She's been at college now for like half a, some half a year. And I mean, that's, there are days when I look and I'm like, Oh, she should be doing this or she should be doing that. And I'm just like, I'm not going to push her about it. You know, like, so I bring it up at different times and she does overall, she does a really great job. She's obviously incredibly busy at school, but I talk to so many people who get there and it's just like that, that, that switch goes off. Like I'm at college, like, woo, (laughs) you know, and then they let go of everything, not just one thing. And so you have, see in my heart, like the way I think you have like three and a half years to like put all your pieces in order and then just like step back and see how they work out. Yeah. Well, I kind of see it as practicing now. Mm -hmm. I, for a while there, I was hyper-focused on Dexcom She's not looping, so I can't bolus her remotely. In our state, you have to have doctor's orders for certain things. And so it got really stressful for me. She just doesn't handle diabetes the way I would. And that doesn't make the way she handles it wrong. Of course not. It makes, I think you're talking around it. You're very type A and she's all oh, kind, yeah, of, and she's absolutely. kind of chilled yeah. out and relaxed. Well, yeah, Megan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Megan's like, yeah, you got it. I mean, I'm, I, I can see because there's three of us talking. We have. I don't usually record with cameras on, so I can see everybody. It doesn't look like anything's ever been on the floor in that room that you're in right now. <laughs> in, in this room? Yes. That room. Oh, let me. No. We can change the story you're gonna here. You're going to turn the camera and show me the disaster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. So, okay. So how does that, well, I guess, first of all, are you married, Sarah? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does your husband get involved in this at all? Yes. So actually, I don't follow her on Dexcom any longer because it just, it got to where that was what it was where all our all of our conversations ended up mm-hmm. at diabetes and she she's very at, at this point was very you know pushing back a, a whole lot and jason was like at one <laughs> i had a meltdown <laughs> which megan i'm sure that's very hard to imagine no <laughs> but uh, a little bit of a meltdown and i'm yelling at my husband you know she doesn't care and he's like get off of dexcom get off dexcom now and I got off of Dexcom, I erased it from my phone, and I've been off of it ever since. And and she does fine. And her first A1C after I got off of Dexcom was seven, which is the lowest she's ever had. Right. And then since then, she's had a 7.2. Now, that doesn't mean I still get her clarity reports. And so I help her make changes in her. I think she needs a reset at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I help her make changes to her insulin to carb ratio. She's still growing. Yeah. I pushed so. Arden's basil a couple of times today. If I'm being honest, she doesn't even know. So I was just, I'm looking, I can see, like, I can see what's happening. And, yeah. and, and I was like, she needs like two units here and she's not, mm-hmm. she's not going to do it. Like she's in class and I can see where she ate and I saw what she gave herself. So there's a little bit of unknown, but I can, I looked at the trend and I was like, she needs a couple more units. I was like, I could push her basil and maybe get like an extra unit in there over the next half an hour. And see what happens. And and then I mean Scott in my head I'm thinking, I could win that game. Yeah. <laughs> Put me in, coach. I could win. And that's what my husband says. He said, you know, you you kind of see it as a game. 
and she doesn't see it as a game, but there's so much more at stake. But, and so to me, that's what, that's where the stress comes in. Do you really see it that way? Or do you just see her blood sugar being high and it makes you worried for her health? Like what's the, what was your first ask? Do you actually see it as like, just, I'm going to try to beat the game or do you see it as her health and you can handle it? I definitely see it as her health is at stake mm-hmm. first. Okay. My husband has made the comment. I think you gamify it, you know, and I, I was like, I, I'm not sure I ever consciously thought about it that He's way. He's gaslighting but. you. Guys do that all the time. Um, <laughs> so uh, my wife said it to me one time and I was like, we are not going down any woke roads. So I'm not gaslighting you. I'm like, I'm saying something to you that you don't agree with. <laughs> so, <laughs> and there are those two, Scott. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we don't share a brain. It's very inconvenient. <laughs> But does your husband, he's not doing what you want him to do, though, right? Oh, no. He's doing exactly what I want him oh, to do. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> he's, I don't yeah, like the way you said that. It made me uncomfortable as a married person. I was like, she's no, controlling No, no, no. But yeah, what yeah. I expect him to do is different than what I expect me to do. Oh, 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 yeah, but I mean, I, ex- I mean, you—he's not doing what you what you want to have done. Like, it's not what you would do. He, he doesn't manage the way I would, but I don't expect him to. Right. I expect him to keep her alive. What was her A1C when you were on top of it? So I started listening to Juicebox like over the summer, mm-hmm. and I started tightening down her her basal rates and her insulin to carb ratios and her correction factors. And but before that, she she would run seven and a half ish, seven point seven. Which, you know, the endocrinologist sees seven and a half to eight and a half as being in range for her age. Yeah. Because of adolescent hormones. But to me, at one point, and this is the only time I've ever been mad at the doctor's office, uh, was when she was still on shots. And I was like, we need we need help. She's running too high all the time. And she's, the nurse said, well, her numbers that you just gave me, those were good numbers. And I said, that's because I'm, I'm cheating the system. I'm giving her extra insulin. And the nurse had the nerve to say to me, um, well, maybe you should just let her run high overnight. Mm-hmm. And I said, that amounts to neglect in my head. I, I'm not doing that. Well, it's just silly too. You could just change the settings. Like it's, right. it's, 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 I mean, it doesn't matter what you call it. You're using a certain amount of insulin and you're having a certain outcome and you wanted to use more. You wanted the settings right. turned up to meet what you were doing. I think what you were doing was right. So No, I know what I was doing yeah. was right. And I did finally say, you know, well, I've told you how much extra insulin I'm giving her tell the doctor and get the orders written. And she said, okay. <laughs> and so I, that's when I realized that I could change her, her rates, yeah. that I could change her basal. And then it got to the point where the endocrinologist said, I trust you to make those changes. Just tell me what they are, what changes you want to make. And I'll send the doctor's orders to the nurse, mm-hmm. to the school. Cause so, it's public school. System. So, I mean, you haven't said yet, but you had her A1C at like, what, 6.2? Were you down there? Mm, no, no, the lowest she's ever been is 7. 7. 7. Okay, 7. Yeah. Okay, so you guys are doing well. You're just doing it differently then. We're Yeah, we're, yeah. we're getting there. And mm-hmm. and like I said, I really feel like she needs a reset. Um, I need to take her total insulin consumption for the day for like a week and then like figure out. And she's not pumping. She is. She is, she is now. What, what, yeah. The, that, that incident that was, I talked about before, right. that's when we were at MDI. Okay. Yeah. So it, is she using an algorithm? She's on the, the control IQ with control Tandem. IQ. I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, that thing should definitely be able to do a six in there somewhere. Yes. Yeah. 
So what is it? So go ahead. Like, just tell me what's not happening that needs to happen. Is it pre-bolusing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's absolutely pre-bolusing. And, and honestly, my kid loves to eat mm. and she's lazy and she doesn't want to look up insulin to carb or excuse me. She didn't want to look up carb counts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Megan's nodding her head because I've heard her complain that her dad can, can be the, the same, same way. Yeah. yeah. I think you told me at one point it was like, he was always doing 70 carbs, 70 carbs for every meal. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't understand all the numbers you guys are mentioning, but we definitely know how to count carbs. But some of us um, exaggerate a little bit more in our house. (laughs) How do you mean uh, exaggerate? What does that mean? Oh, just don't realize that a cinnamon crunch bagel at Panera has like 77 carbs in it and only bolus for 50. Oh, and shocking. My my blood sugar's through the roof. I'm just... Right. Bored by that, huh? Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it is really interesting. Hey, um, Megan, I'm going to want you to tell us a story in a minute, and you're rattling when you're talking. So, would you jump off and jump back on through your phone for me? Yeah. With your head, with those plug-in headphones. With your phone, yeah. Yep. That'd be good. I'll let you back in when you come back. I can't wait to let her tell that story. It's crazy. I, I know because right now people are like, "Why is the other lady here?" I know that's why, happening. Yeah, why yeah, is but she I here? I can't wait for people to find out why because it's really like it's really interesting. So. All right, so well, I have to tell you, uh, after her diagnosis, this is this is kind of a really neat thing about about Reagan. Um, when she was diagnosed, she had been training for a five k. Mm-hmm. So all the water she was drinking, easily explainable. All the sleeping she was doing between on the ten minute ride home from school to home, yeah. easily explainable. And then she's diagnosed, and I told the endo, I said, I'm not sure I'm willing to let diabetes have this. She's been training really hard. The run, the 5K is in six weeks. How are we going to do this? And she said, you should absolutely do this. She needs to know that exercise is important to her. And we we will get it figured out. So so we did. And then she did the 5K. It was at the beginning of December. Mm-hmm. And the whole time she's being diagnosed, I'm with her. And if I fall apart, then it's a disaster. So I never had this like fall apart grief, like crystallized moment yeah now i spent the first two weeks after she was diagnosed crying over stupid stuff as most people do you know um that's very normal response to the grief that you feel over losing what you feel like i i had a healthy child and now i don't right but i never had that crystallized like moment where you just like kind of fall apart and we finished that you have to have a parent running with you it's the girls on the run and um, <clears throat> we finished the 5K. And as we're approaching the finish line, I'm like, oh, no, it's coming. I can feel it. And our families are there because they, we've been through this thing. And and an eight-year-old is finishing a 5K. And we finish and we're taking pictures. And I'm like, this is the dam is about to bust. And we took pictures. And I looked at my husband and I said, oh, my gosh, I'm so proud of her. But I'm I'm so sad. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's horrible, um, but it's, it's good. It, but it, it was wonderful too. Yeah. She, she did this really hard thing mm-hmm. and she did it really well. Right. But yeah, def- that was when I had my fall apart sobbing <laughs> there at the moment at the 5k finish line with everybody at the fi- right, in front of God and everybody <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> out of my house where I have Kleenexes, my husband, <laughs> poor thing. He probably had snot everywhere, but. But yeah, <laughs> this is it. I've decided now's the time. Well, yes. it's an emotional moment to begin with. And, you know, what yeah. are you going to do? All 
All right, so Megan, when you went off for a second, I commented to Sarah and I said, I can't, people by now are like wondering why is Megan on the show? So I'm I'm just very interested in this. So when when does your father say to you like that he's having trouble? Like where does that all start? When do, when are you aware of his health issues? Well, can you hear me? Yeah, you sound great. Okay, great. Um, when I was 22, I was traveling, and I remember my mom telling me over the phone that dad would eventually need to have a kidney transplant. I remember where I was when that happened. It's kind of one of those Kennedy dying moments where you remember where you are or 9-11 or something. So yeah, I remember that. And that was um, when I was 22. So that's when I realized, okay, we're getting to that point where it's taking a toll on his body. I don't think I was as aware of things in the past. I mean, I'd been scared from low blood sugars or high blood sugars um, and hearing him vomit, but I didn't realize the toll it was taking on his body until I was, I guess, 22. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah might remember something different because I'm sure we discussed all this at some point, but yeah, I, yeah. I didn't interject here that I I remember we we used to live in a condo in the same condo complex right after college and I had just gotten married and Megan and I would go walking and I remember you telling me we were probably 25 at the time and you said, you know, I keep myself healthy in case my dad needs one of my kidneys one day. Hmm. And I was like, wow, that's I mean, yes. you were eating better then, you were walking frequently and doing yoga and exercising. So Megan, that weighed on you? You you were always thinking about that? Yes, because uh, my parents had done so much for me growing up. I remember as a young person, because I went through a lot of surgeries and such, and I remember telling my parents, I'm going to pay you back someday, thinking that I would be able to like financially pay them back, which yeah. I didn't understand health insurance at the time, that that wasn't necessary. But Little did I know that I would be a match for him, you know, 15 or so years, 13 years after he told me, or mom told me that he would need a kidney, that I would like secretly go to the doctors behind their back to see if I was going to be a match Mm -hmm. because I didn't want them to get their hopes up when they said that dad was on the kidney list, the kidney donor list. Did he do a double transplant? Did he get a pancreas as well? Not from you, obviously, but did they, did they talk about that at the time? Not that I remember. No. Okay. And how, how long, so how long ago did, was he in his fifties when he needed a a kidney? No, he was um, 68. 68. And I was 35. Okay. And so I went through all the testing. I would go to their appointments with them just because I'm the, I'm kind of the child that's available and nearby and I'm not yeah. I'm not married or don't have any kids so I have time and flexibility with my schedule and I'm kind of I'm not as type A as Sarah but <laughs> I'm a caretaker and I definitely feel called to return the favor of my parents taking such good care of me. So yeah. I went to the doctor's appointments was taking notes and just thinking I can't wait to spend 24 hours peeing into this container so I can find out if I'm going to be a match. <laughs> what a lovely test. Um, yeah. When you find out you're really a match and th- is there any moment in your head where you're like, I shouldn't open my mouth. I don't want to give anybody my kidney or did you never like look back at it that way? Never no. looked back at it that way. It was just, there's no fear. It was just the right thing to do. And what an opportunity for me to do that. There were people who criticized me because we 
told talked to the news. The news thought it was interesting that a daughter was willing to give a parent a kidney. Um, some people were quite critical, and I remember thinking, "How how 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 could they be critical? What's the argument that I that? had such longer to live, and that I was going to sacrifice a part of my body to someone who?" wasn't going to live that long. And I just did not see it that way. I thought I am perfectly healthy. When I learned more about the kidneys and how much you actually use of them, if you're a healthy individual, I don't even need my second kidney. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even a question. And I had, I actually asked them, it was April or May. And I remember saying, how fast can we do this? I have the summer off to recover. Can this happen pretty soon so that I had the summer off? And she's like, absolutely. So it was June 23rd, I think. Wow. 20, 2013. So now, Sarah, this is obviously a, an incredible kindness that Megan has performed. And that's like 10 years ago, right? Your dad's been going 10 years with it? Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. And obviously, her father grew up in a different management style and a long time ago with different insulin and different technology and all that stuff. But does that freak you out? Like, does it seem more real like my son thought he could play professional baseball because he knew a pro baseball player. It made it feel more realistic. So does it feel more omnipresent because you know somebody who went through this? I think it's it's fair to the kidney thing actually does not scare me because it's so unlikely to happen to to Reagan and that's not according to me, that's according to her endocrinologist. Mm-hmm. So we rely heavily on on their their opinion, but I do fear for her vision. And then Megan, I know your dad, um, his tunnel vision essentially at this point. Mm-hmm. That that does concern me. I think because I had I was far sighted. Near I was nearsighted. I had LASIK, but I think so to me that seems more real because I've experienced bad vision. Mm-hmm. And th- that that definitely scares me. And then her teeth, because she ends up eating things in the middle of the night. Oh yeah, I was. I'm like, where is this going? Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, no. So you can just swish with water afterwards. I know, but that's easier to do when you're not half asleep. <laughs> just like quarter. She's the daughter of a dentist. And so do- wait that's a minute, part of it. which one? You're a dentist, or your husband is? But no, my dad. Your is dad is. Oh, you're a yeah, daughter yeah. of a dentist. So I was like, oh, yes. okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, so you. I have to tell you, I don't know. Dentistry has gone really weird in the last 10 years. Like, I feel like I'm at an integrative doctor now and there. They're like, let me see your tonsils. I was like, just stick to the teeth. <laughs> Scott, like, run. Uh, no, run from a, that doctor. Listen, you need a, a gr- new doctor. He's an amazing doctor, actually. Stay like, in your lane, man. <laughs> he is the best. I've never had such a good dentist in my entire life. My dentist before this was 100% doing meth. So it was just... <laughs> 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 I used to see a guy who would set three patients up in three different rooms and he'd unglove and glove and run from room to room and work on you like that. Yeah. And yeah, once in a while, someone who's he, he, that, that's not a patriot patient centric. No, no. Doctor. Once he yeah. left the room to go look at a Corvette, he was thinking of buying. I, I swear to God, that, no. that actually happened to me. No. The bar He's, is low, Scott. Anything better than that seems like we've upgraded. Palace. We've upgraded it, since then. <laughs> now the guy now is really good, actually. He's just very interested in like going more of a whole approach. Like he just uh, the truth is is that I know about. I figured out I was anemic because of my dentist, who looked at me and said, "Hey, you're not okay," but he thought I had type two diabetes at the time, mm. but. 
I was like, I don't have type two diabetes. Like I would know the signs of diabetes. I thought to myself, like, if I don't know the signs of diabetes, we're all in trouble. So I'm like, so I'm like, so I'm like, it's not me. Uh, It's not that, but it still made me go to the doctor. I will say uh, my dad did diagnose uh, high blood sugar, high blood pressure. And one of his patients, they were, their gums bled a lot Mm -hmm. during a cleaning for no discernible reason. And he said, you know, I've got a pre- blood pressure cuff over here. Do you care if I take your blood pressure? And she was like 190 over 130. Wow. And he said, you need this work, but I'm unwilling to work on you until you go see a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. And a car- she came back like two months later and she said, my cardiologist told me to, to thank you for saving my life. Yeah. See? And so, yeah. Dentists. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh How do you two girls know each other? Like, it sounds like you've known each other forever. We were about yeah, 10 we've years been fr- old. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. No. Uh, when as soon as I moved to Knoxville, um, Sarah and I met at church, and we w- grew up in the youth group together and sleepovers, and our parents are friends, and um, now we both work at the same institution, and we've been neighbors or close to neighbors regularly throughout our thirty-four, five years, four or five years of friendship. Wow. Did it? Are you do you do similar jobs on purpose? Like when you were growing up, were you like one day I'm going to do this, and you guys were like, no? Like how does that happen? I wouldn't say we do similar jobs now. Well, what do you? Okay, she, she's in a teaching capacity, and I'm I'm we work in higher education, and I, I work in the finance end of things. Oh, okay. so yeah, we just happen to work at the same place. When I but. call the college, and I'm like, you're killing me. Why are you taking all my money? Are you the one that takes that phone call? No. no, Sarah okay. will take that one. Sarah nope. will take that one. Nope. I don't know you, Scott. Who? I'm so sorry. I do not know you. <laughs> oh it's my. worth Never it. Heard Scott. Of him. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. I don't know. <laughs> the one who just got a job, and I don't, we'll see. Congratulations. Oh. Off the payroll. Thank you. Well, I'm almost. I think we're covering a couple of things still. Uh, but um, yeah, you moved and left. Honestly, if I, Scott, if I could tell you the, the reason I applied to the university, was for the health insurance. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. Uh, so you haven't been there that long? I've only been there about three years. Oh, okay. Megan's been there for how long? 17 years? 20. 20, gosh. 20 this year. And <laughs> I remember my parents telling me, you need to make sure that you have good health insurance mm-hmm. because of dad's situation and how important it was to work for an organization that would provide that for you. Because we're going to come harvest your, yeah, they also knew they were going to harvest your organs later. So they wanted you to be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they laid that path down early. <laughs> oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I can tell you this, that never once my son's uh, very math minded, but is a weird mix. Like he's has a quantitative econ degree, but you wouldn't think of him as like a math person if you met him in his regular life. Um, he just has that kind of part of his brain that does that. He's a very weird mix of an athlete and a math person, which is I don't think is something you see very frequently. I do think his degree helped him get the job that he has. But for none of the reasons that you would hope while you send your child off, it's because somebody in a hiring position looked at a resume and my son reminded him of himself when he was younger. And he went to a quality school. And so whatever that means, like, seriously, I think what it just means is I paid more money. And um, and and the um, and the guy was like, yeah, we'll give this guy a chance. It's just I don't know. It it, it freaks you. as a person who pays for it. I don't like it. I feel you because I've got a junior in high school. She's we are about to leap into higher ed on mm-hmm. a personal level. So, yeah. yeah, when Arden told me 
our, my, our, my daughter, Megan, was uh, between going, she was either going to go a pre-law route or go to fashion school to learn how to design clothing. And I told her I wanted her to do whatever would make her happy, but I was voting for the cheaper of the two options, actually, like privately in my of mind. Course. I was like, I don't think I want her to be a lawyer. And my wife's like, why? I'm like, it sounds more expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I'll tell you this, that my junior has no idea what she wants to do, nor where she wants to do it at the moment. We have yeah. visited eight colleges. And at this moment, she's going to university where I work because <laughs> yeah. I get half off of tuition. I was going to say, I know a kid that went to Princeton for free and his and her parents her father did maintenance at that school for two decades to set in the hopes that one of his kids would be able to get into that school and one of them did like yeah like a robotics thing too so like one of those like creepy smart kids and uh (laughs) but okay so megan just would you tell me just if you're comfortable like what do you teach i teach communication oh lovely how do you do that how do you take somebody who doesn't have the skill and give it to them? You just give them the office side of the work? What do you, what do, you do? Well, first of all, I don't give anything. You earn it. Okay. And uh, I teach public speaking. So we talk about delivery and content and how to develop an outline and use sources. And then we talk about the presentation aspect of it regarding your oral verbal output, as well as visual aids, if that's a part of it. Does that help people in in a business setting mostly, or what where, where other applications does it have? It has an application in, I would argue, any field that you go into, because communication overlays all fields in, on some level. Yeah. How am I doing? You're doing well. You're quite conversational, Scott. <laughs> would you imagine, Sarah, if right now she was like, can I be honest? This is a disaster. Oh, she would. Yeah, yeah. We're really- <laughs> I, I will be when we get off, when we get off the yeah. podcast. People listen to this. I, I have notes. No, so I, the way I do it, Megan, is that I'd like to know as little about the people I'm talking to as possible when I start. And I just follow where my interest goes. And that way, if I'm interested, then hopefully everybody else will be as well. I just find that reading bullet pointed questions sounds like you're reading bullet pointed questions, even when I speak in public. So I I think Megan would be impressed by this. I have spoken to up to 600 people in a room. And that is impressive. I have no nerves about it. There's something incredibly wrong with me because I mean, like psychologically, I'm broken a little bit because everyone else is like, there's so many people in there. I'm like, I know. <laughs> like, I can't I think wait. It depends on are you motivated because you have something to share that you're excited about? Then, then why would that be a problem? I have to tell you, Sarah, I think if you put me on a stage right now and wrote three disconnected words together and said, Scott, please make these three words into a conversation, I'd be like, that sounds great. I don't know if I've ever told, I'm going to try to be fast because I don't think I might have said this before on the podcast, but I think I was in eighth or ninth grade, Megan, and um, our teacher said one day, uh, you can get 50 bonus points if you can come up in front of the classroom and speak for a full minute without saying, um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get 50 bonus points. Like That's the first thing I thought. I was like, this is obvious. So I watched a couple of people do it first. One one poor girl, I still remember, I don't know her name, but she stood up there and he said, okay, go. And she said, um, um. and I was, I was like, oh, eh, you're done. But I, I got up there and I don't know what I said. But after a minute, he goes like, you're finished. And I was like, I keep going if you want. And he's like, go ahead. So I went a couple more minutes and at like three or four minutes, he's like, oh, okay, just stop. 
and 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 he sat me down. I don't know what that is. Like I'm not a person who feels like I'm not a million. Per- I guess I I am comfortable in my own skin, and I have that's clear. Yeah, and I have some like unreasonable level of. I believe in myself for reasons I don't even understand. Uh, I don't think they're legitimate. Yeah, I just, I would love to do that. Like, I love doing this very, very much. This is a version of public speaking, what you're doing right now, podcasting. Yes. It's interesting, too, because it's hard. Like, you and I are looking at each other, but I don't normally look at people. Like, I interviewed a a 40-year-old woman today, um, and we started off. And it was just a very like basic kind of conversation. And by the time we were done, she told me that she's a functioning alcoholic. She told me everything about her life. We picked apart drug use in her workplace with other people. And by the time it was over, I was like, that was really interesting. Like Because I, I have heard, and I always assume people lie to me, that I've heard that there's like a massive amount of like, uh, it, she works in a restaurant. And I've always heard that, like, a restaurant's an orgy, like, sex, drugs, alcohol, like, behind the scenes. And I ask, anytime somebody's in a restaurant, nobody comes clean on it. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And so before you knew it, we were talking about, like, what's the difference between somebody being prescribed Adderall and your cook doing a bump of Coke? Like, 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 is there, and we're having this big conversation about bizarre things. And I got done, and I thought, she came on to talk about none of that. And I was like so proud of myself when it was over. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is great. And she was lovely, and and it was really, it was a really neat conversation. But anyway, so you can grade me at the end. Just a letter. <laughs> I don't grade. think you want me to grade you. <laughs> oh, I do. I, I would love to hear what's wrong with what I'm doing, and then I would like, like, I would make these little notes, like I was taking down what you were saying, and I'd be writing. You, she was wrong about that, and <laughs> I would be so bizarre. Um, okay, so. You guys have this weird relationship, meaning you've been together for a long time. Is it a little like you're married or are you not that close? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you have that like? It's not like that. I just think that it does not matter how long in between times that we see each other. It is just pick up exactly where you left off. Like, it's just, it's like a sibling almost. Yeah. I've had, I've I had... don't know. Sarah, how would you describe it? Yeah. I worried a little bit about this because we do have. Uh, probably more than we realize nonverbal communication. Like Texting? I can, you can tell me a whole lot just by with one glance and I can tell you a whole lot with one glance. Mm-hmm. And I worried a little bit about that, but we've both behaved ourselves. And then I won. I also worried that it might be a little Abbott and Costello, but we've managed to behave. So. Has it turned into who's on first yet? Um, yes. So you guys, you just know each other so well, you don't need to say a lot. And by the way, Megan, I've had, there's two people in the world that I have felt that way about. Like it, it, somehow, I mean, people don't understand when you're younger, but you'll look up one day and not see a close friend for five years. And it's very strange. And they don't live 20 minutes from you, you know. And then you'd mm-hmm. bump into them again, and whatever that thing is, it just feels exactly the same as last time. But I don't—I only have it with a couple of people, and so you guys have that. Oh yeah, I think when you've shared the stuff that we've shared, yeah. you know, just sleepovers and just the depth and the length, uh, you get pretty trusting think, of one another. I think uh, faith has played a, a large part in mm-hmm. that as well. We we grew up together in the same church and. And while that's nice, I think I feel like we both have our faith has developed along the same arc. Well, you ha- you had sense. things in common when you first met, so you can yes. you can at least be comfortable in those things. Then, but then you learned mm-hmm. about each other, and you you stayed, I guess, not just comfortable, but you grew 
you grew close to after that. Yeah. And I would argue that our parents are both part of the village that raised us. So it wasn't just my parents saying, hey, maybe you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. It was also Megan's mom saying, hey, that was really great. I'm really proud of you. Uh, mm -hmm. Stuff like that. And that meant that meant a lot to me. Yeah. That meant almost as much as it coming from my parents' mouths. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to ask both of you this question. Have either of you ever been in your home with your parents when the other one brought somebody around and you're like, Ooh, that's not the right person for them. Have anybody, has anybody ever vetoed like a boyfriend, girlfriend, like, like dating situation for each other? Like, have you ever mm -hmm. looked at Megan and thought, not him, like, and, and told, oh. and told her, or do you let it play out? Let's just ask the question that way. If you've ever had that thought, are there things you wouldn't say? Megan has a thought. I have a thought from yeah. her college. <laughs> But I'm not going to go into details, but I remember thinking, this one's not going to last. <laughs> I think she probably knows who I mean. Yes. Like, I don't know. She We'll see what she says about me. <laughs> so have you ever had that thought? I mean, I trust Megan's judgment. So, you know, okay. if she feels like, I, I, I guess there have probably been a handful of times I thought, well, I'm sure he's fun right now. <laughs> All right. Oh, dear, yes. Nice. But I'm so glad. I'm so grateful that it's never turned into, because we do have another mutual friend that we all were shaking our heads and, and thinking, oh, no. Right. And it happened anyway. And um, It's a weird feeling. I remember growing up in a situation where a guy was getting married, and we all looked at each other and said, we should do something, right? And no one did anything. And I'm going to tell you, like, the, the girl was a horror. <laughs> okay. Like, like a real oh. horror. And now 30 years later, they're, they've been married forever. And they've got a big pile of kids. And I just thought, thank God we didn't do that. Y and, you know? and I think that's what, that's what I'm saying is, yeah. you know, even I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to agree. Right. It's her life. She gets to live it the way she wants to. Yeah, so. I just didn't know if you guys were so close that you you knew things where you're like, mm, don't do that. I guess. Uh, well, so I close. I yeah, am I so trust, glad. Yeah, I trust your judgment. Yeah, that's and I am so glad that you and Jason are together. It's precious. Oh, see, yeah, it's precious. Sarah got a good one, or Jason got a good one. <laughs> I have to say, I don't usually get to see people, so I don't get to say things like this. But Sarah, you look like you were adorable when you were nineteen. <laughs> Oh, yeah, exactly the same. <laughs> she looks exactly the same. Stunner, a stunner. Oh, yeah. I just, you I do too, though, Meg. Mm, I just, I, I imagine, I don't know, I imagine Sarah in like a, a, a skirt and a dance for some reason. Oh, I'm picturing it now. <laughs> it definitely Absolutely. happened. It was khaki. Yeah. <laughs> it was a khaki skirt. So I got you. And a, I wore a white shirt with it. It's pretty much with how a you look. belt. Yeah. That's how got you look it. in my mind. I'm being serious. It's hilarious. <laughs> All right. So, so you guys are, you have two completely different perspectives on diabetes. Have either of you taken anything from the other one? Even though that your experiences are so different, it's Megan's father's a long time ago and Sarah's kid is younger. Like, I guess, Megan, like my question for you would be is, do you have any different insight about your dad's life watching this happen in front of you? Has it helped you like close any loops or anything like that? My, my dad is just a trooper, and so is my mom. I cannot talk about my dad without talking about my mom's sainthood for being one of the reasons that my dad has lived this long, in my opinion, um, because she is 
a saint. Um, what she cooked for all of us growing up, keeping us on a schedule so that I didn't realize that not everybody eats on a schedule like our family does because of dad's diabetes. Not that that's what we always talked about, but that's that was just how dad could manage best. And so we have built our schedule so much around that. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what's coming to mind is that I have to acknowledge how my parents are such a team in in terms of managing my dad's diabetes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a great answer. I don't know if it answers the question, but it, I, I appreciate knowing it. I, I was just wondering if if Sarah and her family have, if you've witnessed them do something with diabetes that's made you think like, oh, now I understand, or if you like already had that full understanding. Does that make sense? You're looking at me like I'm not being clear. I think I just went down to a B minus. <laughs> Definitely. Maybe maybe C. Mm-hmm. No, I, I guess I, I don't know. I just admire Reagan and Sarah and Jason and all that they're doing to and her sister helping her through it. So you maybe know, I'm you not just there a, on a daily basis. Yeah, so I'm just, just so proud yeah, and gonna, supportive. I was gonna say maybe you have those feelings because you know what what's happening on her sides. But Sarah, you picked up differently from yes. Megan though, right? Yeah, it it's helpful to know um, what living with a type one as a kid, what that what that means, and like maybe what I need to be uh, as a mom looking out for. So I need to make sure that Ellie doesn't feel her older sister does not feel like she is responsible for her sister because she's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be sure that she's not got any anxiety about um, her sister's health. That's not her responsibility. Okay. Um, I don't want her to grow up too quickly because of this. Um, I already got one kid who's <clears throat> who's arguably growing up too too fast because of it. A vast amount of response due to a vast amount of responsibility. I do see you, Megan, as someone that I could say, you know, what do you think might be going on here with Ellie? And if she had anxiety over something, I would send her. My children call her Aunt Megan. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, maybe maybe you need to sit down with that Megan and have a conversation with her. I know she knows what's what. Yeah. But just it's very interesting because it's two different time periods, it's, it's two different perspectives, and yet I can see how it lends back and forth between the two of you. Um, it is funny how um one exception all the type ones that we have our like little community with, there are are all on the tandem Tesla X2. So it's nice to have resources. So like if you're running short on sites, maybe I call up the fields. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And then uh, you know, maybe a reservoir, we're short a reservoir. Or, yeah. You guys have like your own little swap meet going. Yes. Isn't it isn't it <laughs> and all it's happened? Yeah. yeah. But isn't it also interesting that you're all in the same pumps? Probably because the doctor in that area leans towards a certain pump. I wouldn't say that at all. No? We, we trialed the Omnipod and the, the Tandem. You know, oh, I, cool. I don't know how your dad ended up on it. Oh, no, I do, too, because he's on Medicare. I really don't know. I just know he's he's tried like the the Libra, but that didn't end up being what he chose. So he's on Dexcom and Tandem. Mm-hmm. Uh, is your dad doing an algorithm, too? I have no idea. He is. He is? <laughs> I know this because I've helped him with it. And, oh, wow. and, and we've talked, uh, Megan and I have talked about this, like if it if your mom got hit by a bus tomorrow, you, you would end up taking care of your dad, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I know, you know this, but hear me say like, I will spend uh, however much time 
needs to be spent with you to make sure that your dad is okay and that you're comfortable. So um, caring for him, because I know that that is something that you've probably thought about. I know you've discussed it with your mom, but that is something I have thought about. Well, as sweet as that is before Megan answers you, I just want to say that's an empty gesture, Megan, because she's got all that like type A pent up inside of her. She's dying to put it on somebody. She's gonna push. <laughs> no and a half. She's gonna push your mom in front of that bus. Okay, just <laughs> no, <laughs> not. No. Well, so so it's so funny that you say this, Scott, because I was I'm in my church's choir, and all of a sudden I heard someone's pump making the pump mm-hmm. sounds, and I was like, uh, "Who's high?" and who needs yep. my knowledge? He goes, he goes um, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, do you need a glass of water? I mean, we're in front of God and everybody. And he said, uh, yeah, I could use a glass of water. And I was like, I'm your girl. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. And then he he showed me. He was like, how did you know that? I said, my daughter's on the same one. <laughs> and he's showing me his pump. And I look down at it. And I'm like, um, Dan, do you, do you mean to be in exercise mode? And he goes, What's that? <laughs> and that I was like, oh my okay, gosh. I'm going to take, I know. I, I'm, I said, I'm going to take it off. Is, is that okay with you? And very long story short, I changed his settings for him. Hmm. He now understands more about how the pump works. But, and I can't tell if someone just didn't, the CDE didn't show him how it was supposed to work or not. But he, he was telling me I cannot eat anything without spiking really hard. And I said, you don't have to live that way. Yeah. Let's talk about this. And I've not got him on the podcast just yet. He's about 65 or so years old and he can be a little technologically uh, challenged, Mm -hmm. but that's the next step is to get him on the podcast. Not only is that nice for him, but I think it's fantastic for you because I imagine you coming home and trying to slyly drop into conversation around your daughter, how you were helpful to another person (laughs) and how maybe she should listen again. (laughs) She knows Dan. They're friends now. We've traded supplies with him at this point. So, yeah. (laughs) So, Sarah, I, I have a question that I would ask both of you, except Megan's not going to have an answer for it. So you listen to the podcast. I do. Okay. And it's been valuable to you. And you're coming on to add your story to it, which is terrific. Answer a question for me, if you have an answer. Okay. Knowing that I have no religious background at all, and that I don't go to church, and that if you pressed me on whether or not there was a God, I'd probably tell you I don't think there is. And like all this, why do I have such a following of religiously minded people? Because I do. And I can't figure it out 100%. I think because you're willing to concede that you don't know it all. And I think, like, you just don't know what you don't know. And being vulnerable like that is appealing to those who have faith. Because we, too, have to acknowledge that we don't know it all. Okay. That's that's really, that's really, like, I'm, like, Megan, just because you wouldn't know this, the, the podcast has an incredible um, following in the in the Mormon community, for example, and it it just it started to become incredibly obvious, and then it, it I was like I don't understand like what did I do or say that would have done that? And now you ladies and and other things that I've heard from other places, and I'm like I don't know. And my wife's like this is ridiculous. My wife's like they don't know you. I once let me tell you a story on Christmas Eve went to church with my wife when we were just married or dating, and we're sitting there. And I said to her, "What what's happening? And she said, oh, people are going to go up and get communion for Christmas. And I was like, I, I would like to go. And she said, you can't 
take communion. And I was like, why? And she goes, well, you're not Catholic. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I said, I really want to see what the cookie looks like. And she's like, it's a wafer. It's not a cookie. And we're having this very quiet conversation at midnight in church. And she's like, I'm going to go take communion. You sit right here. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and she got up to get communion. And then I got up and went right up behind her. So I was like four or five people behind her. And I'm walking up. And now I'm feeling the pressure because, by the way, I was in my 20s. I just want to say that now. Um, and I'm feeling the pressure because I don't I, – I really just want to see what the wafer is. I'm just endlessly interested in what it is. But the guy's going to put it – the guy. The priest is going to put it in my mouth. And so I'm like, what do I do? Because if I eat it, I'm never going to see it. So, like, I copped it. Like, you know what I mean? And I brought it back to the thing. And she's like, what did you do? And I said, I really just wanted to see the thing. And she's like – well, yeah, but now you ate it. I'm like, no, I have it right here. And then she panicked. And she's like, you have to eat that right now. And I was like, I really just want to see it. I was like, I don't know why I can't look at it for she a second. She needed to eat it, not you. Well, <laughs> I forget what we did with it, if I'm being perfectly honest. <laughs> but I think legally I was supposed to burn it. I don't know exactly what the – I'm just joking. Um, but so, like, I have – like, that's it for me. Like, I think that's the last time I've been in church. She did not bring me back after that. But so you just think it's that you just think it's that I'm willing to say, like, I'm not sure about this or there's no perfection here or that I would entertain a conversation about why it's no different for somebody to use a prescription drug from another thing. And I don't necessarily believe that. I just I'm just interested in the conversation. Like, I just I just want to know what people think. So that's it. Huh. I'm going to. OK, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, so, what do you think, Megan? I That's kind of how, how I think know? is that, you know. I think your curiosity is quite inviting Okay. and people are drawn to that. I'm not sure if it has anything to do with religion or faith or lack thereof. I, I think don't it's, it's nice to hear someone have a conversation without using vulgar words mm -hmm. or n making double entendre theater or, you know. But I do a little bit of that sometimes. It's not all the time. Yes, it, I'm it, clutching it, my pearls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I've done that. People have said things that are funny, and I'm like, oh, that means this too. Uh, but uh, it's just it's very interesting because I don't know. Like I, I'm I'm kind of flattered by it and happy for it because I don't want to. Like the worst thing that I can imagine is doing is that the information's here that you need and would be helpful to you or the or the camaraderies here that would be helpful to you or the community or whatever it ends up being. And that somehow I end up being the gatekeeper that tells you, no, you can't come in here because I've done something that is so egregious to you. Like, I don't want to be that per like, I don't sanitize the show, but I also don't want to eliminate the possibility for someone to come to it. And I, I I'm so far, I've been really happy that it, uh, the way it's being received all over, but I don't know. It's just, there was such an influx at one point from a couple of different like religious like centers, I guess, in the country mm -hmm. that I was really like. It makes I... me wonder if like maybe they had a, a like a maybe a JDRF conference. Yeah, so I'm glad I this is why I brought it up to see where you would get to what I the only answer I've ever gotten from an, a person in the Mormon faith is that they're they have a very community based situation there. So people start getting type one diabetes and they say, Hey, I was listening to this podcast. It really helped. And then I guess it helps them. And then I probably get the goodwill from that as it goes on. But anyway, it's just, if you knew me personally, I'm not trying to say that like when I leave here, I have somebody tied up in another room or something weird like that. Like I'm a pretty reasonably normal person, but I'm just, it's weird that it's me. You don't know that, but I know that 
You know what I'm saying? I, I and see, I see it through the lens of faith. God's using you, whether or not you believe mm-hmm. in Him, He is using you to help others. And and if this is the reason that Arden was diagnosed with type one, then then maybe maybe this was part of God's plan for your life and hers. Oh my God, she would hate that if she heard that. I know. <laughs> um, but, by the way, there's already three I mean, people in to, my house using two me. Besides the same coin, right? I mean, yeah. no, no, no. It's it's. It, in the end, it's really just, it's the extra words around the conversation. No matter what perspective you come from, you're saying the same thing, which is, you know, if it happened to this person and this person picked up this mantle and did something with it, then that's that's good because more good's coming from it than bad. And I appreciate that very much. So, okay. Well, thank you. Sure. I appreciate it. All right. So is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have? I don't know. There's plenty more to say. There's, is that a dog? It's a huge yes. dog. Yes. This is Truvy. Oh, of course. Truvy, come here. Here, have a seat. Sit. I know. I'm delicious. <laughs> I just want to put a plug in. I know this is not the purpose of your podcast, but <clears throat> like for organ donation. Yeah, please. Because it's um, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it yes, it takes six or eight weeks to recover from a kidney donation, but medical stuff is getting better and recovery times are more manageable. So you know, as much as I hope that no diabetics ever need to have to go through it, if you do, it'll be okay. Like there are no side effects for me on this side of donating. Um, Megan, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding about organ donation is that if you have donated a kidney, for example, and -hmm. something happens to your remaining kidney, you are put at the top of the list. You're not put on some wait list. Like that's interesting. Is that true, Megan? That's interesting. It, it is. You know, I yeah, I don't know for sure, but I I seem to remember something. I do know that if I was unable to give to my dad, that I could have given to someone else, and my dad would have been moved to the top of the list because I gave. Oh. There are giving oh. chains like that. I've heard this yes. as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yes. interesting. So if you weren't a match for your father. They mm-hmm. could have taken your donation, given it to somebody else, and that would have accelerated your dad's spot to the top of the list. Yeah. How about that? Mm-hmm. That kind of makes mm-hmm. sense, doesn't it? It's like a two for one. Yeah. There are other situations where they wait to trade. It's a straight trade. How, how do you mean? So Megan would donate to a stranger, and that stranger's person would donate to her dad. Oh, that mm-hmm. makes sense too. So wow. it's a straight trade. Mm-hmm. That's super. People who have time, who have a certain level of functionality. So I think it's like that 15 to 20% range. I don't know if you remember that or not, Megan, but that's that, that range will get you on the list. Yes. You're still not on dialysis. Mm -hmm. And so um, when you're in kind of that magical 5% range there, that's when they can, you have time. Yeah. And Megan, your dad's on that cocktail of anti-rejection meds. He is. He makes that okay Mm -hmm. with all that. Yeah. It's just part of the process. Like you yes. just have to do it. So every day at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m., the Adele alarm goes off and we say, Dad, it's time to take your pills. So he knows that. It's everybody in the in our family knows that. Like mm-hmm. it's just pill time. Is the so. Adele alarm Adele singing a song? Mm-hmm. What song? Hello. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I saw Adele in concert. She was terrific. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, it was really Someday. good. Someday. I took my wife for her birthday a few years ago. Oh, 
It's a great present. Yeah, was, that is a great good. present. Hint, hint, Jason. <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember Megan, you and I were going to go to Oprah together. Do you remember that? Yes, Oprah. Did she had the nerve Celine to retire? Oh, when she did. <laughs> wait, when Oprah was doing those tours where she was. Ta- I don't know what happens at those tours. I would no, go, no, no, no. Uh, we were going to fly to Chicago. Oh, to see like, the TV mm-hmm. show. Go with taping, yeah. That yeah. was, uh, you guys. All right. Girls trip. Yeah. <laughs> you just wanted to leave home. I see what's going on. <laughs> Trying to get out of there for a couple of minutes. That is uh, um, anything I didn't get to talk about today, Scott, yeah. um, was was JDRF, the importance of being involved. If that's something that is attainable for you or um, if they have a chapter that's close to you, not everyone is has the same access that I've got. But I happen to sit on the, the board here locally. And um, it's it's really quite rewarding. I would encourage anyone who has had any sort of curiosity about JDRF, if you've not looked into it, please do. Mm-hmm. I do know that there are no small number of adults who are angry at JDRF because of the five years of cure, 10 years of cure. And honestly, between the three of us, they're not wrong. JDRF should never have been promising things that they couldn't follow through on. And I don't blame folks, but JDRF has changed their messaging. And Dexcom is a direct result of JDRF uh, funds and influence. And so are all the algorithms that are out now. They fully back all of the, they don't just, they're not just looking for cure, a cure, but obviously they want to be out of a job. But um, they're also pushing to improve the lives of type ones. Certainly. And and as coincidentally now type twos that I'm hearing about a lot of type twos ending up on Dexcom, for example, or or using long acting like Traceba. I think you're going to see a lot of type twos using glucose sensing technology, and it's going to give mm-hmm. them a better idea of how you know their food is impacting their blood sugars and what they can do to to keep the spikes away. So I think that's right here. You just need. I think the first step's actually happening where Medicare is going to cover it. Isn't that right? Like they're trying to get it covered for Medicare first type two, which is the, that's basically the, that's the door opening for the other, the other insurance companies to kind of follow suit. So I think that's going to be for certain. And I have had uh, more than a handful of type twos on the show who require insulin and whose lives are basically you know, that of a person with type one at this point. And they talk about like massive improvements from just understanding how to use insulin and how food impacts them. So yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, I raised a lot of money for JDRF when my daughter was first born or first diagnosed. Diagnosed, Yeah. yeah. That's pretty common. Mm-hmm. And then um, one day I was like, I think I could, that's actually, that's what my, that's how it, that's why I started my blog at first because I raised money for the JDRF and I raised something like it was like $1,500. And I thought I put all this work in and I only raised $1,500 and it pissed me off. So it's like, how could I have reached more people? And I started a blog and I started telling people about diabetes. And then at the end, I was like, you know, here you could support this. And then it kind of grew from there over the years. But no. I'm, wow, I'm, thank I'm, you for doing that. No, yeah, but, thank you. I didn't realize that you had got kind of gotten your start that way. That's, yeah. That really is pretty Pretty amazing. I think we raised sixty thousand dollars by the time it was all said and done. Awesome. Wow! Yeah, I'm very annoying, so it's easy for me to get money from people. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Having said that, please go to the sponsor links if you're listening and click on them if you need some of the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the money's not going to go to the JDRF. Now I'm going to send my kids to college with it, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, we got to eat too, Scott. You these, know <laughs> why? All right. Here's my last question: Why is the food at college so bad? Because oh, it's, it's institutional I, I don't food. think it's not. <laughs> no, no. It's getting better. I mean, 
It is. There are plenty of good options. I think students have demanded that over time and it's evolved. It's really getting good. Yeah. Arden needs more insulin at college than she does at home. And the f- mm. and when we visited, my son had had such a bad time at college with food that like it was one of the things we were paying attention to. You know, the first time around we were just like food They'll make them food. And then one day my son sends me a piece of chicken that's pink. And he goes, this is what I'm supposed to eat today. I'm like, uh, okay. So anyway, um, we paid more attention the second time around when we went around. Arden. And then Arden's place is like, it's beautiful. It's like a restaurant in there. It's so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And we were like, this is going to mm-hmm. be better. And then she's bolusing. She's like, dad, these carb counts are nowhere near right. She, she's like, mm-hmm. she's like, I mean, I'm sure the carbs that they're listing are right. She's like, but this food's hitting me so much harder then so it's basically like eating at a mid-level restaurant is what it's like being at, at college and it's tough it's tough when you're managing your insulin especially when you're first you know away from home so anyway i have found uh, at in our home that the more food we make at our house and if i shop the perimeter of the grocery store in order to put together a meal mm-hmm. her the glycemic index seems to be a whole lot lower processed foods seem to hit like really, really hard. Yeah, yeah they're difficult. Yeah, so. I, and I really, there's a uh, Skinny Taste is a blog online as well. Mm-hmm. And she has about five cookbooks out there and all of her recipes are nutritionally counted. So I I cook out of those two. I've got two of the cookbooks that are kind of like, that's what I use, that's my go-to. And I cook out of them weekly, yeah, absolutely. It's been helpful. And it, yeah, it makes a big difference. Plus she can look at the, the recipe and carb count herself. Mm-hmm. She does. She doesn't have me going. Hey. <laughs> yeah, keeps you out of the loop again. It does keep me out of it. That's uh, probably. I'm sure in her. When did you? This is such a weird question. Did you clash with your mom? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how I'm paying for my raisin. <laughs> <laughs> how old do you think you'll be when you guys? Uh, like, how old were you when you were like, oh, why am I hassling my mom like this? I uh. Not yet. <laughs> it goes in waves, Scott. Again, well, we don't fault. share a brain. <laughs> it's her fault for being wrong about everything, Sarah. It's not your fault. <laughs> she's just crazy. No, she's not crazy. <laughs> Maybe a little crazy. It's great. But uh, but yeah, uh, well, yeah, when I stopped like being a pain, I, and I was definitely a, a pill. Uh probably probably in college mm-hmm. is when. But I let's be honest, Reagan is sunshine and butterflies. And it's just that she has moments, hormonal moments, where she's very frowny and says things in the tone of voice that makes me want to smack her mouth. And (laughs) which we had to warn her the other week. We're like, hey, I don't think you mean it this way, but your tone has got to change. Right. And and if we have to bring your attention to it with a smack on the mouth, we will. Please don't, please don't make me do it. I don't want to do it. You're just far enough south where you're like, this is cool. We can totally do this. It's excellent. We definitely do it this way. (laughs) But uh, but again, we don't, you know, we try to roll with the punches and be like, okay. And and I've told her on countless times, I don't think you meant that tone of voice. Can you please say that again? Mm -hmm. And so. Is is it ever related to high blood sugars? I know you're not allowed to see, but. I know, right? I. Mm -hmm. And that is the, that's the rub is like, what, what is this? Uh, is this a product of hormones mm-hmm. or low, low blood sugar? Or if, did you just not get enough sleep last night? I mean, it's like things that can affect high blood sugar, blood sugar in general. You know, that book is about this thick. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, 
It's interesting. Well, it's I've I've said in my life I've said to Arden I'm going to look at your blood sugar, and if it's in range, you're in trouble. <laughs> but if there's a reason why this is happening, then okay. But <laughs> takes notes. Yeah, taking notes over here. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well, you guys are terrific. I really appreciate you doing this. Um, thank you very much. It's uh, it's really interesting how you met each other and how you've stayed together this long and and how you've intersected. So it was nice of you to share it. Thank you for doing this, Scott. It's fun to participate. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate it very much. Cool. Hold on one second for me, okay? Sure. I want to thank Sarah. I want to thank Megan. I want to thank US Med. USmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. I'm not reading this. I just know it. 888-721-1514. One four usmed.com forward slash juice box. Watch this dexcom.com forward slash juice box. I can do all of the ads right now for you off the top of my head. One day at the end of one of these episodes, I'm just going to do every one of them. One take. We'll see how well I can get through them. And um, I'm probably going to make some mistakes, but I'll give it a shot. Anyway, don't forget the Diabetes Pro Tip Series has been remastered. Episode 1000 to 1026 or juiceboxpodcast.com and diabetesprotip.com. Are you in the private Facebook group? Juiceboxpodcast.com. Type 1 Diabetes. Go check it out. Thank you so much for listening. I could do this all day. I'm out of my mind. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry, I got a little excited there. Hold on. <clears throat> I'm ready. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. You know, if I didn't say that with that voice, it would sound like this. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. You guys can vote and tell me which one I should do moving forward. Um, don't email me though. Do it in the private Facebook group. Don't don't do it here, please. I don't I don't have the bandwidth to answer those emails. All right. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon. <laughs>